that I, I was quickened to me was, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord of hosts, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future, a hope, an expected end. We have an expected end. A victorious end. Amen. Look in your Bibles at Joshua chapter 1. We've been on a series called Prepare, Proceed, and Possess. Or we could say, prepare to proceed and to possess. And this has been our, our uh, foundational scripture for a long time. And I want you to look at Joshua chapter 1. And we've been on the subject. I'm not going to take all the time to put up the screen and all the points and everything. But we're at the point now where we need to be strong and courageous. And this is after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. It came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan. It doesn't say if you feel like it. It says, now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I'm giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. He's already spoke it into existence. It's done. From the wilderness in the Lebanon, this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses. So I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of what? Good courage, harvest church, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Now, I'll stop and say you're not going to be strong and you're not going to be courageous unless you're in the word day and night. For then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage? He says this three times. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, we, we started, and I'll read to you, you don't need to turn there, but let me give you the scripture from Daniel chapter seven eighteen because, you know, uh, quite a few weeks ago I was reading in Daniel, and this just stuck out to me. It says, in Daniel 7, verse 18, but the saints of the Most High, are you a saint of the Most High? Shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. And what stuck out to me was the fact, yeah, we receive the kingdom of God when we're born again. We receive Jesus into our, our life. He, he becomes Lord and Savior. But we receive uh, a spiritual kingdom. But then it says we are to possess the kingdom. And that's where the church has failed. 
We receive Christ, we're born again, and we go to church, we're Christians, but there's, there's another important aspect. You not only receive the kingdom of God, but you possess it. And you have to re- acquire a, a warrior's mentality. We're all soldiers, you know, in the Lord's army. Amen? And I'll tell you what, I, I want to, I, I, I shared that a few weeks ago about Mel Gibson and, and the Patriot. That is where the church is at. Genesis twenty two seventeen says, your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. Possess means to seize, to acquire, lay hold of, catch, and grasp. Now, I'm going to put her on the spot. Get your mic and come up here. <clears throat> I didn't know Brian could run. <laughs> Are you on? I'm on, I think. Am I on? Yeah. Okay. I want you now, you've heard this story. I've heard this story, and I never get tired of this story. Because she came from a little town called Monroe, Nebraska. And she, only she could tell this story. And this is a true story. This was what happened in the late 60s, and it gives you an, an insight into the, into the character and the attitude of the people of that little town, Monroe, Nebraska. So tell them the story, and you know which story I'm referring to. This is the best all-time story, Monroe, Nebraska. And maybe we didn't do good in volleyball, but we did good in fighting. <laughs> and... You go through Monroe, the whole town revolves around the tavern, and Julie has a picture of it. I mean, it was the the senior center, the youth center, the cafe, the social center of the community. But back in the 60s, there was, you know, that was the hippie, the motorcycle gang era. There was a gang of guys from Columbus that were Hell's Angels wannabes. And they were a rough bunch of guys, and they were bullies. And what they were doing was um, they would go from town to town and disrupt things. Now, they I always told this story, and I don't think they believed it. And one day we were at a funeral, and I said to one of my friends, you tell him this story, and she told it word for word. So she's still alive, so we can ask her. <laughs> But so they would go from town to town and disrupt things. And they had gone to Platt Center. And Monroe and Platt Center are sister cities. We love each other. We hate each other. You know, fight, fought each other in ball games, but always backed each other up in a fight. So they had gone to Platt Center about a week before and, and gone into the tavern and caused a lot of trouble. So Monroe was kind of laying for them. Well, so the tavern's here, and across the alley is a house, and a guy that had a construction crew with a bunch of my cousins on it, and they were a rough crew, and they were having a card party over there that night. And all the wives were there, and they were drinking a little and playing cards and the whole thing. Well, on Saturday nights, we would go to town to get groceries, and then... um, my aunt, if you ever drive through Monroe, there's a house on the west end that looks right down in the street, and it's getting remodeled. That's where my aunt lives. So my mom and I would get groceries, and we'd go to my aunt's house for a visit while my dad socialized. And 
So we were there, and all of a sudden, my dad comes running in to the house, and he says, there's been a big fight in Monroe. He said, this motorcycle gang came in, and and Wilbur, the guy that owned the bar, he was a rough character. He'd been a heavy, he was a good, they came in and they started to bully him. And Wilbur picked him up and threw him out the front door and the fight ensued and all the motorcycle gang came in. And it's typical 60s. And the Monroe guys started to fight and Monroe guys, of course, whooped up on him. And my dad said, now, I was going to just leave and not go, but some young whippersnapper called me Gramps and asked if I, and I hit him so hard, and I hit him on the second way down because they negotiate better on their back looking up at you. My dad, they just all thought they were John Wayne guys, you know. It was just, you had to be there. Well, he said, I wish I could have been there. He said, so he comes running in the house, and he said, there's been this big fight, and he says, there's trouble brewing, and they're going to be back, and he says, you lock the house up, and you stay here and lock the house and be on guard. And I'm 10, and you know I'm hyperactive. I want to, and I'm going, I want to go, I want to go. And I'm begging him to go, and he says, no, you stay here, and you take care of your mom and your aunt. So her picture window looked right down Main Street. So he goes rushing back, and pretty soon the whole town just broke out. My, they had, in the meantime, they'd let all the Platte Center guys know. They let... The cousins across the street know, and all the, they came to the tavern, and then the motorcycle guys came back, and a fight ensued. And I mean, the Monroe guys would hit the motorcycle guys, and they'd go down. Now, this was the part that was hard to believe, but it was true. And all my friends and the cousins, all the women, the minute they'd knock them down, then the women would go along, grab them by the hair, and hit their heads on the sidewalk. So that all the ones that got knocked out stayed knocked out. And every time they come around, they come back and do it again. And just keep, no kidding, because the next day I went downtown and looked and there was hair and blood all over the sidewalk. So, this big fight. And in the meantime, while they were fighting... The, the right on the west edge of the block is the fire hall. So they moved the fire trucks out, hooked the hoses up. And the Monroe guys made sure that when they fought, ran them out, they ran them to the west, from east to the west. And sure enough, the guys got up, the motorcycle guys got up, headed out of town. And right as they hit there, they turned the fire hoses on and just wiped them out, just... And we didn't have a cop in town. We had a security guy, and they said he came through and saw what was going on and left because he thought justice was being... This was life in the 60s in Monroe. But that was... that was, And I can remember watching down the street, watching. I'm just going, I just wanted to be there. So there was always that fight mentality, but it was always a good thing then. So, so that, that tells you the attitude, and I'll tell a story on her. She uh, played basketball, girls basketball, and, and one of her fellow teammates was rather short, and the the other team, the opposing team, was pushing her, wasn't, weren't they? Picking on her. So Kathy and this the gal that was picking on her friend, they were down court, 
and the, the others were moving down the court, and the refs were moving down the court, so she just tackled her on the floor. And um, I don't know what you told her. Okay. So that kind of tells you an attitude. That's the kind of woman I married. I was raised in a fine Christian home. No. No. Uh-uh. I, so that tell, that, I tell you those stories, and they're humorous. They're funny. But most of those people weren't even Christians. But they had fight in them. And see, that's where the, the church needs to be right now. We need, we need to rekindle that fight, you know. And I, the, the thing that you have to understand is, and most Christians don't have the revelation, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. And so you fight a spiritual battle with spiritual weaponry. You learn to get into the Word. You knew it's a, the sword of the Spirit. You pray in tongues. You do these things. And, and this is where we need to be. And, and I'll be honest with you. There is a remnant. We're a remnant church. Remnant, I don't know, I should look up the word remnant and see how it's described. But a remnant is just a small portion of a, of a larger group. And thank God for the remnant. The Bible's full of remnant stories. Amen. Look at, look at Gideon and what he did with 300 men. Amen. And so... I'll, I'll go on and review, then we'll, we'll cover one point. I won't get it all in today, and I won't keep you. But um, in Luke 16, in verse 16, it says, The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached, and everyone is pressing into it. The advance of God's kingdom is the result of praying. Everyone say praying. Preaching. Say preaching. And pressing in. Or you know, I think one translation says forcing your way in. The kingdom of God is not an external or physical but spiritual kingdom. And it's not understood with the mind. A spiritual rebirth is required to enter God's kingdom. Repentance or complete radical and total change is necessary. This is the most important. If you're a young Christian... You need to read this book. What do you suppose this book is, Caden? How to be led by the Spirit of God. And the reason I tell you this, if you, and it took me, I was raised in the Methodist church. We were both raised in the Methodist church. I had no idea. I grew up watching my father sit and watch Billy Graham on TV and about a soul, your soul's being saved. You need to be born again. That's true. But you need to have revelation and understanding of the fact that you are a spirit being. Because you're created in the likeness of God. God is a spirit and those who worship God worship in spirit and truth. He's a spirit being. You are a spirit being. If I could take your spirit out of your body, you would have hands, arms, Torso, legs, feet, the whole thing. You're a spirit being. You know, when you die, your, your spirit departs. And, and the thing is, most people don't recognize that. You have to have revelation that you're a spiritual being. And you've got to feed your spirit man the word of God every day. And it's a spiritual battle that we're involved in right now. The kingdom of God is not external 
are physical, but it is spiritual. Now, look at uh, Isaiah 44. We'll cover one point. I had three, and I'll, I'll give you one, and then I'll let you go. Isaiah chapter 44. Find Isaiah 44, and then look in your Bibles and find Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Isaiah 44 and Luke 11. I kind of got off on this kingdom business because we talked about you have to press into the kingdom. Well, I thought we need to give you a little more information about kingdom, God's kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom. We establish that. You press into the kingdom. We establish that. Now I want to show you that God's kingdom, in fact, say this with me, God's kingdom comes first. Very simple. God's kingdom must come first in your life. In Isaiah 44 and verse 6, it says, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. And who can proclaim as I do? Then let him declare it and set it in order for me, since I appointed the ancient people and the things that are coming and shall come. Let them show these to them. Do not fear, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from the, that time and declared it? You are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? Indeed, there is no other rock. I know not one. He is the rock and the only rock. Revelation 1 and verse 11 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. Then in, Jesus dealt with the loveless church at Ephesus in Revelation 2. He says, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. See, the kingdom of God needs to come first. The kingdom of God must come first in your life. And see, the church is in trouble right now and has been in trouble because it hasn't put God's kingdom first. We can put our family first. We can put our job first. We can put our hobbies first. You know, we can put our finances first. We can put everything first. But God's kingdom, if you leave with anything today, his kingdom must come first. Now, look at Luke 11. Luke chapter 11. It says, Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he seized, seized that one of, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, and for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and do not lead us in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now this is what I want you to, to understand. We, I grew up a Methodist. 
And we prayed that prayer every week. How about you? I don't know where you came from, what church you came from, but we always prayed, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. And it was just, it, it, there was no, it was just came out of our soul, our mind, will, and emotions. Had nothing, there was nothing spiritual about it. We, it was a religious formality every week. And that's not good. And yes, Jesus is teaching his disciples and using this to teach them how to pray. But listen to this. I, I, this is a good statement. The Lord's Prayer not so much, is not so much a formal religious prayer, but a passionate declaration of your faith to promote God's kingdom. The Lord's Prayer is not so much a formal religious prayer, but a passionate declaration of your faith to promote God's kingdom. The verb tense of your kingdom come says, Father, let your kingdom come here and now. Let your kingdom come here and now. His kingdom must take precedence over everything in your life. And, you know, that's the thing. I, I say this a lot. I've said it a lot as a pastor. And I pray it every day because, to me, it's a declaration of my faith. Father, your kingdom come and your will be done in my life. You need to pray that. It's not so much commanding God, but commanding yourself to live under his kingdom, rule, and his will. So, it'd be good for you, in the days ahead, especially what we're going through right now, many times, I don't pray on my knees a lot. I, I guess I do about every other day. I'll get down for a period of time on my knees. But, you know, what does, that, what does this mean when you do that? It's an act of submission. Amen? I mean, I do it to her all the time. I'm on my knees. Whatever, dear. Your kingdom come, your will be done. I always say I fear God and fear my wife. So, man, you better, you grew up, yeah. I had no. First place she took me when I went, we were dating and was to the bar. And there was her dad's work buddy that he was from Norway. He was, he even had the accent. And, all, and I'll, I've, it's so burned into me. He did this to me. Then he'd look up. Yeah. So I knew I should have realized what I was getting into. But it's an act of submission of your will. And the church has to get back to that. It's not about entertaining you on Sunday morning. It's not how big our worship band is. I'll be honest with you. I've been here a long time, and I've had six or seven people on the stage. It's just a, it's a whole lot easier with one or two that I know and trust. Well, I wanted to be on the... Well, if it's God's will, it'll happen. God will speak to leadership. But it's not about how flashy your, your, your band is. Are your facility. Years ago when I was just so young and, 
in getting started and looking for church property, I brought a, a man of God that was the head of our organization here, and he looked at me, and this was a bankrupt truck property, and it didn't look like much. And he said, I don't see it. And I just went, I just... Then I had a guy named Ed Dufresne, a prophet of God, not too long after that came. And he looked at me and he said, it's a piece of cake. And I thought, thank you. So, you, you, you know, but look at it now. Yeah, it's not big and flashy, and, and, but it serves our purpose for now. Amen? You know, so it's not about the facility. And yes, I want a nice facility. And ask Nate, I don't like weeds. But we're, we're blessed with what we have. But see, too many, and I'm saying this, and, and I'm, I'm going to be more diplomatic because the prophets have been speaking. The day of the mega churches is coming to a close. And there are churches like ours all over this nation. And, and the pastors are like me. They're not showboats. We're not charismatic. Years ago, they wanted to, uh, the guy we were hooked up with in another city said we needed to put our picture up like they had on their billboard advertising the church, and there was no way we were going to do that. If it had been anybody, it would have been just me because she wouldn't have been up there. You, do you have a? Do you understand where the church has been, and what the church has tried to do in the flesh? Hype everything up, and it's not about hype; it's about this: the pure word of God. It, it's not about how flashy you are and how how dressed up you are, and you know what what what's this? Um, he talks about skinny jeans, fog machines, and there's one more. I don't know, the book we just read. And he's, he's, really, he's really coming against that in the body of Christ. Big screen, skinny jeans, and fog machines. Oh, I got my skinny jeans on. But it's not about that. It's about... People coming together as a body, doing what God's called them to do, not complaining or arguing or vying for position, or I want to be seen here, I want to be seen there. I have a gift, Pastor, you know that, don't you? Oh, you do? Well, get back in your car and go to the next church. See, we've never had a big church. It's because we're kingdom-minded. I'm not here to entertain you. Although she, she's good at entertaining with her stories. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we have to get back to our first love. God is first. His kingdom is priority. Amen? That's the truth. It's not so much commanding God to live... It's not so much as commanding God, but commanding yourself. To live under his kingdom rule and will. God's kingdom cannot and will not be manifested upon the earth without the church declaring and decreeing. Look at one more scripture. Matthew 6 and then we'll stop. 
Matthew 6 and verse 31. His kingdom must come first. Say, his kingdom must come first. Chapter 6 of Matthew, verse 31. Jesus said, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, let me close with this. This is in my Bible. I've got a, this is a great Bible. They don't carry this. You've got to order this at the Bible's Christian Bible store. It's the Spirit-Filled Life Bible, and I would, I would recommend you get one. It's got wonderful commentary. And this is entitled, The Principle of Priority. God wants us to put Him first above everything else. This is a principle that runs through all of Scripture. It starts in Genesis 4 with Cain and Abel, continues 2,500 years later in Exodus 20 when the law was given. You shall have no other gods before me and goes through Revelation. It's a principle of God that the first belongs to him. Say that. The first belongs to him. This is because God is a God of order. This church is a church of order. I do not want to be spiritually out of order. He doesn't think, or God doesn't think, His order is the right way or the best way. He thinks it's the only way. I like that. And that's what He blesses. God blesses order. He blesses order in in the church. He blesses Order in your home. If your home is out of order, he can't bless it. If you want to be blessed, do things his way. We read in the Old Testament that he had an order for the tabernacle. If you study how they had to lay everything out in order. He had an order for preparing and eating food. He had an order for offering sacrifices and prayers and worship. But motives are everything. While we're no longer under the old covenant, when it comes to pleasing God and operating in line with his kingdom principles, heart motivation is still what matters. If we seek God first, he will not only provide for us, but he will bless us. Let's stand to our feet this morning. I don't need that. Now, how about that? It's 1059. Listen, in the days ahead, there'll be services that'll go longer. As the Holy Spirit tells us what to do. He's the director. I'm just an under-shepherd. And so, in the days ahead, the Holy Spirit is going to move as He so desires. And that's my heart's cry that He does that. But this morning, if you leave with anything, tell me what you're leaving with. His kingdom comes first. Now, I'm going to pray. And the Holy Spirit's going to deal with your heart. And he's going to tell you where you're out of order. He's going to tell you what's come first before his kingdom. And 
All you need to do is, is to listen for that still small voice. And it might not be right now, but as you go dur- during the day here or during the week and you pray, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, if there's areas in my life out of order and I've not put you first, reveal it to me. If you have that heart's attitude, he'll show you and you can make the adjustments. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for this day. I thank you for the liberty of the spirit. I thank you, Father, that hearts have been softened and open. People are receptive, Holy Spirit, to to hear where there's been areas they've been out of order and they've not put the Father's kingdom first. Holy Spirit, speak to all of our hearts this morning. Areas that we need to make adjustments. Now, Holy Spirit, even for the rest of this day and the coming week, speak to all of our hearts. I know every one of us in this room can make some adjustments and some changes. And Father, my declaration is this day, your people shall hear a word behind them saying, this is the way. Walk in it when they turn to the right hand and when they turn to the left. For the people of Harvest Church hear the voice of the Good Shepherd and the voice of a stranger will not follow. Everyone say, Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life. You're number one. You're priority. You're the first. You're the last. I desire your kingdom rule. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Is there anyone here today that you need prayer for your physical body? Are we all healthy? Good. I like that today. Amen. God's moving, folks. Now, tomorrow night, Wednesday night, we'll continue to pray for the president. He needs it. Amen. Yes. Yes. Come on up. I'm sorry. I didn't. Thank you, Usher. What's going on? Okay, okay. Well, sinus infection, COVID, it's all the same to God. He's a healer. Father, in the name of Of Jesus Christ. I lose healing. I command these sinuses to become clear. Congestion go. And your supernatural peace to come upon her. Thank you Father. You're not only Savior. But you Jesus. You are healer. We lose healing. For healing is in the name of Jesus. And you said we could lay hands on the sick. And they'd recover. So thank you Lord for supernatural recovery. In Jesus name. Amen, 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 amen. Well, before you go, let me say one more thing. Thank you for making prayer a priority.
there's more people that have started to come to prayer. And you, I don't think you realize what that does to your pastor's heart. Brings me a lot of joy. Amen. God bless you. Have a good week.